Leafs Nation postgame here. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Gord, I, I guess they weren't going to go winning 10 out of 11 games for the rest of the season. Yes, the Leafs can lose just like they did tonight. 2 nothing at home to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Gord, what was your takeaway from, from that game? Well, you know, it was a big hockey night in Canada game, so it's never fun to lose at home. It's never fun to get shut out at home. But, you know, all in all, uh, it was one of those games you can't, can't quibble with the Leafs' effort. It wasn't like that Los Angeles game. What is it about Pittsburgh, Brent? What is it? I mean, you go back. Cliff Fletcher talked about it his first year with the Leafs. What was it, 91-92, when you and uh, you and your buddy Bunting were like uh, pre, you weren't even born yet, whatever. I'm a little older than him. So, uh, no, he just said, that was the most humiliating loss he'd ever experienced. Then about five or six days later, he pulled off that incredible trade with Calgary, bringing Doug Gilmore and Jamie McCowan in town. Uh, two years ago, it was the one that sealed the fate of Mike Babcock. Uh, if Leafs had not come back against Chicago, that pit loss in Pittsburgh you know, might have been what uh, was a push to seal some drastic measures. I don't know what it is about the Penguins. But anyway, tonight... Uh, Tristan Jerry now has back-to-back shutouts, a Penguin team. They they got to really battle. Like, the Leafs don't have a battle for the playoffs, especially the way Montreal is playing right now in the Atlantic Division. Brand. The Metropolitan Division, oh, my God. New Jersey's in the mix, too, So and Columbus is in the mix. So every team is in the mix. So it's it really is a jump ball, and it's going to be a challenge to try to get there. They A week ago, they had a terrible loss to the Ottawa Senators. You know, good on the Pittsburgh Penguins with Sidney Crosby back. No if Jenny Malkin, uh, but have come up with a big week and a couple of big wins. Yeah, you, you mentioned that that Penguins division. I mean, we'll, we'll stick on the Leafs mostly, but the Devils, they had a big come-from-behind win today like that. That's going to be a fun division to watch. I don't know how much fun it is to play in it, but uh, the Leafs don't don't have to to worry about that. You know, it's funny It's funny you talk about all the bad Pittsburgh memories, and they're definitely there. It's it's not all that long ago. I think it was just a couple shows ago we were talking about Danny Markov saluting the Pens after an OT win. And then if I'm going to give you one other happy Pittsburgh memory, it's the game that finally got the Leafs into the playoffs. I believe it was, yeah, it was Joe Bowen yeah. with the wonderful call. Holy Mackinac, holy McElhaney, Curtis McElhaney stoning Sidney Crosby and Connor Brown getting the goal. Oh, man, I'm getting the feels all the way back. Uh, not the way I, I feel tonight. We'll we'll get back to, to tonight's game here. But, yeah, it just it felt to me like, you know, uh, again, they're not all going to be picture-perfect games. I think, I think it did get away from them a little early on. You know, we've harped so often, start on time, start on time. And it wasn't the terrible start that we've seen from, from from this team in the, in the past over the past couple of seasons, but they just kind of fell behind the eight ball early and they were just chasing the game. And they had moments where I felt like they were really, really pressing, but it, it's just when you fall behind early to a team that's kind of ex- as experienced as this Penn's team is that, that has the two kind of, you know, shut down lines. If you want to call Crosby's line, one of those, it's it, it just, it, they didn't make it easy on themselves with the falling behind early. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, they had chances. Wayne Simmons had a great chance. Uh, Mitch Marner did. I mean, a lot of them. You know, they they kept trying to create create some offense. But the Maple Leaf, I was a little bit surprised. I knew the power play's been going well of late. But Hockey Night in Canada had a graphic up there that it's number one in the NHL in November. The Maple Leaf power play in the month of November, which I know is 20 days. It's not a complete month. Like, wow. But tonight it was like old days, wasn't it? And, and good on the Penguins. The Leafs had those two 
uh, power play, well, actually three, in the third period, including a two-man advantage for a good chunk of time. They really didn't get, I don't think they got one scoring chance out of it. And that was almost, the, and it's funny that that whole drop pass, drop back pass, the slingshot type thing, forget it, it's done. You know, everyone, PKs anticipate it now. And actually, when the Penguins were down two, they almost got a scoring chance, two men down. So that was a chance. I, I really thought the Leafs would get one there on the five on three and we'd have a hang on to your life. And then, how many minutes without a whistle was it? Like the last, like the last seven, seven minutes of the last seven and a half minutes was without a whistle, which also also bode well for the Pittsburgh Penguins when play continues like that. Yeah, it is. There's there's something about when you have the lead late and you're just able to kind of watch that time melt away. Not only was it the five on three, but then I forget. I think it might have been. I'm trying to remember which Penguin blocked the shot. It basically got down to a five on two after the Penguin had got, got taken a bite out of him. With I think it was Matthew's shot that he blocked. Nylander had the one post there in that, but yeah, it's just you get a five on three like that, and you're convinced. Like you're, you were all sitting there watching it. You're all you're in the building. You're watching it at home. You're listening on the radio. We're all thinking like, okay, they're gonna get one. It's gonna be this mad dash to the finish, but it just wasn't in the cards. And sometimes when I'm when I'm sitting there watching it, and I don't think this was the case necessarily in the third period but if I go back to the second you know if I just flip this and picture I'm doing the Penguins postgame show we'd be talking about a solid win but you know what else we'd be saying you cannot let Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and John Tavares like there were a ton of good looks from good good scoring chances in this game so I mean I- I'm not going to just say ah sometimes it's not the night but that that's kind of just what it felt like like yes you could have had you know a little more of a push before it got that dire late but it just felt like I mean they they had a ton of good looks and sometimes it wasn't a case of them getting goalied I don't think but sometimes you do just have to tip your cap to to a good solid effort by Pittsburgh and a, a strong game from Yari. Yep, especially a, a, a great road win for the Pittsburgh Penguins and Tristan Jari, a back-to-back shout-outs. He did against Montreal. And, you know, last year when uh, when they got eliminated in the playoffs, it was goaltending that was questioned. I mean, they were the one one of the teams that goaltending really, including Tristan Jari, was viewed as a, the difference maker. So, uh, you know, he wants to bounce back strong. And Jack Campbell again. Man, 31-26 but shot, uh, in favor of Pittsburgh, but shots on goal. It's more the scoring chances, and Jack Campbell, solid, solid goaltending. Uh, tomorrow, I know we'll look later on at tomorrow's game, uh, New York Islanders. Boy, uh, New York Islanders, next uh, the next team to be ravaged by COVID uh, protocol issues. Not not severe enough to cancel games, but their sec- it will be their second home game at their brand-new facility. And uh, let's hope that Joe Wall or Joseph Wall, whichever way, you know, comes up with another strong one. I mean, they they really, man, I, I keep going back to it. You really, really need to hope that you're developing a strong goaltender from within. Yeah, you do. Because, I mean, again, you know, I like I don't want to spend every show that Jack Campbell has a great game talking about the contract he's going to need. But there's a world where you need to find a way out of Peter Mrazek's deal because Jack Campbell just makes it so you know, unalienable that he has to be the guy and he has to get paid. Not that he isn't the guy already, but, you know, in terms of fitting it in in the cap, like, there's a world where you need to get out from the money that you owe Mrazek beyond this year. Uh, the good news in terms of him, he was skating today, so, you know, they still, we still don't think we'll see him until at least December, but it's encouraging that he was finally kind of kind of back on the ice, you know, back, back to tonight's game before we take a, a look ahead to tomorrow in Long Island, because I can't believe that they have John Tavares in there. The second night, the building 
something's open. It seemed like that's the easiest schedule making uh, of all time for for tomorrow. But for tonight, you know, we we talked about the start. We talked about the effort a little bit. I also just felt like anytime you have two D pairs that are fighting it a little bit, you're going to be hard pressed to to win the game. And I'm not saying I'm putting this on Muzzin and Hall and and Lilligren and Sandine, but it just felt like both those pairs kind of struggled tonight. wasn't quite the the ceiling that they've been able to show. And when you have two pairs that are fighting it like that, it's just you're you're just behind the eight ball, and then you you run into a hot goalie on the other end. You add it all up, and it's just it's it's not a recipe for a win. No, and uh, I I agree with you 100. percent Like I agree with you 100. percent The only the only caveat I'll throw out there is uh, well, first of all, the old the old one, the old obvious way you can't win many games if you don't score any goals, which is understandable. It's but true. also. I, I would, looking at the Maple Leaf offensive team at the start of the season, you tell me you get two goals against, so what's my percentage? I, I would guess Leafs would win 95% of the games. Yeah. That's kind of arrogant. That may be a bit too high. But that's what you expected. So it's just been interesting, this whole this whole defensive, uh, and, and not not without being impressed because uh, obviously you think that's going to you know add to the repertoire in the playoffs, having strong defense and hopefully making playoffs success. But you know this this isn't what we expected. And it's been it's been their DNA of late, not not offensive firepower, but you know strong defensive game, strong defensive win. So uh, I concur with you. I think the only reason it was two against was because of one of the stars again, even in a losing cause, Jack Campbell, who was the best Leaf again tonight. But uh, but again, we we keep wondering, <laughs> scratching our head, where are those Toronto Maple Leaf goals? Even though there were those chances tonight, it's funny. It's we're got, we're at the quarter point of the season. And that can this the storyline is uh, home and cooled out. It's a bit strong, but right now, if the season carries on anywhere close to what it is, they're home and cooled out for a playoff spot. But you know, wow, the offense—it's just been a little bit, a little bit perplexing. It's it's weird. I, I don't know where where you're at because I still think, in the grand scheme of things, like I'm I'm not worried about this team's ability to to score. I think the depth guys have proved they can be maybe a little more than we thought they could. And I I'm sorry, like I just I don't think Austin Matthews is just going to have a 35 goal season. I you know John Tavares, his production can kind of you know go up and down from year to year. I still think he's going to give you you know rock solid second center play like it's just I'm as I'm sitting here I know based on the numbers in front of me and what I've seen I maybe should be a little worried but just with the track record that this team has I I just I have it in the back of my head that they're just going to find a way to to score as the season goes on well and it's it continues to be uh and I'll use even though New York Islanders have been not playing their best hockey of late but about you know putting a team together where you're focused solely your biggest four contracts are in forwards and no other team has done that. There's uh, usually a defenseman, a stud defenseman. Now Morgan Riley maybe has kind of entered that mix, but uh, that's what they've done. So it's always left them vulnerable about you know what's there on the D. So um, I, I'm with you. Uh, I know the offense is there, like you. I know the offense is there, and uh, and defense is always the question mark. And I've always looked back to uh, again going way back about the whole '93 Pat Quinn '93 '94 era about no no Norris division defenseman there but defense by committee and Dave Allen and Jamie McCowan and Sylvain Lefebvre and Todd Gill and Bob Rouse you know and 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 that's the kind of D almost 30 years later you're hoping they're able to get and I mean that's what they've been doing when they've been successful it's been defense by committee 
Yeah, and and again, it's you go back to last season. Like, of course, the forwards are always going to be the strength of this team. But the thing that was different about what we'd seen in the past was you did finally have that blue line. You you really really felt like you can trust. And you know, it is just we've we've talked all year about you know is Muzzin fighting something? Is there an injury there? We know Justin Hall had an illness. You know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of shakeup in the pairs. I do wonder if the team goes looking back to the Jake Muzzin TJ Brody pair because it felt like. Like the best I've seen out of Muzzin this year is when he's alongside Brody. And it just feels like what you get out of Jake Muzzin, it might be the most important out of all the defensemen. Not say he necessarily has to be the best, but I think that it is a, it, it's a case where you need him to be a kind of shutdown guy for you. So I do wonder if they, they maybe re-experiment with the pairs and go back to, to Muzzin playing alongside Brody. And then maybe it's Dermot up top and, you know, who knows what you do with the bottom pair. You know, I I, I I understand what you're saying, but also because I'm, I'm quickly double-checking here on the fly. So second year of a four-year contract for Jake Muzzin, 5.65, 5.625 million. Okay, that's, that is, that's the kind of money getting paid that you're trying to put someone with that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Like, like if you're making that, then you got to be the guy to carry, a, especially in cap world. It's just the way it works. That, you know, if Jake Muzzin if his success are predicated to make him playing on TJ Brody, then he should be making Justin Hall money, you know? So uh, I know it works schematically about putting them together. And I'm not saying you don't do it, but the, the cap world is, you know, Jake, but Muzzin's being paid amount of money and Oh my God, the signing bonus. I, I can't even murder the signing bonus. They gave these guys, <laughs> but anyway, you know, like uh, that, that he should be the one, he should be the one that you could put a, a, a quote lesser D with him. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, of all of of all of the things that we've sat here kind of worrying about or wondering, or what exactly is this early on in the season? That is the thing I'm the least certain about. You know, Jake Muzzin is of an age where no, I I don't think he has fallen off a cliff or he's about to fall off a cliff, but he is at that age where you know your play can start to suffer a, a little bit. And it's just it's the as I you know how we talked earlier in the show that I am Lockstead. I am absolutely sure that the scoring will come around on this team I'm a little less certain that Jake Muzzin is going to kind of bounce back to being the guy he's been even last year it's just we're now basically a quarter of the way into the season and it feels like he's been at his best with Brody and everything else not say it's been a struggle the entire time but it's just I I do wonder what exactly they they can kind of get out of him this year I guess I'm just less certain that the bounce back is coming for him than I am for for the forwards in the offense well he's 33 in February and right now he makes more money than Morgan Riley makes this year. You know, so that's so, you know, and, and and against Columbus. And again, this is what has bothered me that an, an injury has been used as an excuse. Last year, John Tavares and the year before Jake Muzzin getting injured about a big reason why they were not able to close out playoff series. So I, I agree. Like like Jake Muzzin, we're at the quarter pole and we're, we're impressed with the Leafs defensive play, especially the last, what, 12 games. But his play was very poor at the start of the season and has been ordinary. And uh, hopefully it will be good enough. And hopefully, especially in the playoffs, it will be good enough, whatever that may be. You know, you, know, you don't have to be a star, but good enough to get in the playoffs and uh, good enough then to uh, move on to where this, this, new, this new frontier that anyone under 25 can't remember. It's called winning a playoff <laughs> round. Okay? Man. Yeah, I know. I know. I get a little misty-eyed saying it. 
Yeah. Well, I I remember it. I I was a small boy. Not actually. I was in my teens. And uh, what I what I, I the the running joke I have with just me and so many people my age, a little older, is I just want to see the Leafs win a playoff series in a bar. That's all. You know, I wasn't able to go to them when when it happened last time, and I would just love 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 to get to see it one day. The the thing I do wonder, and I don't want to make this just about Muzzin because we've seen it happen with Hall, and I just wonder how far the kind of pecking order is on a team where you can say, you know, we we heard the comments from Wayne Simmons earlier this year, or I think it was earlier this week, about, yep, I got it. I totally understood. I hated sitting. It's the first time I've ever been scratched, and I could not stand it. It was a big nick to my pride, and by all accounts, he's taken it in stride, and he's he's actually played pretty well since. But I just wonder how high you can go up on the lineup. Like, if John Tavares is struggling, guess what? He's not getting healthy scratched. I don't think Morgan Riley is either, TJ Brody. I just wonder if Muzzin's kind of above that line, where you can say, you know what? Why don't you just take a beat? It's a back-to-back. Maybe you've been dealing with something. And I'm not even necessarily saying for tomorrow, but I just wonder... If that you think that's a conversation that that's maybe being you know considered, well, Wayne Simmons, they're able to present it like they're giving him a rest, and so he can be pissed off he's taken a rest, you know. But it's been it's not it's not for any kind of indifferent play at this point. Um, uh, boy, Sheldon Keith, you know, with Justin Hall, you know, he could have said he's not feeling a hundred percent, and never said that. <laughs> you know, he was a healthy scratch, so that's where I think I think you know Jake Muzzin. I think Jake Muzzin got cut more slack than Justin Hall did. Uh, when you are, when you're going well as a team, then there's a then then it stops. You don't need to send a message. And I'm trying to remember names. You know, it'll come back to me. But you you know you may remember some of them from last year. Like last year, I was amazed at you remember the remember the healthy scratches everywhere. You remember like. Yep. Like wow, I'm trying to remember them all. Well, but... the the big the biggest one was one that got walked back, but I believe Quenville was going to healthy scratch Keith Yandel, who had the Ironman streak yes, going. Yes, yes, and then yes. The, it, by all accounts, it was a team revolt, and and he dressed, and he's now still going with with the yeah. Flyers. But yeah, there yeah. were plenty of other ones. Go, but, Goss despair a few years ago. Yeah, tons. yeah, but oh, I mean, who, the, who was the Flyer? I mean, don't tell me it was Connectney. I I don't know, but you know, it might just have been. Uh, yeah, it might have been like the, like it was interesting. There was this, but I think part and parcel is. It, it, that's when the team is going south. And um, again, you have to understand, or what well, you, you should understand, nobody really understands whether it's in hockey or life about nothing's personal, because when it's you, it feels very personal. But yeah, so I, I think right now with the Leafs playing well and, and, and hopefully playing well for the foreseeable future, that there, yeah, there, there is a certain, certain nucleus that, yeah, yeah. It's not like they get away with murder because, you know, if, if you're playing winning hockey, your elite players, mm-hmm. uh, I think, are are paving the path while you're playing elite hockey and having successful hockey. So, but it, it, it does tick off those. Like, like I can remember, like, you know, I, I had a thing, or my brother had a thing in high school once about, you know, he was a sub on the basketball team and the coach got all pissed off and said there'd be some changes and he cut three of the subs. You know what I mean? <laughs> guys, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And it really showed them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of like yeah, I can remember guys saying, "Oh, great, I'm a fourth liner. There's going to be shakeup, so I'm in the press box next time." I played six minutes, but I'm at that. Wow, wow, you know. And um, but but there but there is a thing you got to you have to be unafraid. Of course, a little bit different now because it's more of a player's game than an autocratic game. But but not or be unafraid to take your star players to task, and they should also have an understanding that they should be taken to task about things because it's a good example for everybody else. Yep, I, uh, I I agree with all that. I do want to do a little preview of, of tomorrow before we step aside. But Gord, you know, didn't find his way on the score sheet in terms of points because the Leafs got shut out. 
but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Michael Bunting doing a wonderful job drawing a couple of penalties tonight. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I thought that fourth line just really that that was one of their stronger games of the season. It's no accident to me. It looks like they all got a you know another minute or so more than maybe they normally did. I, I thought that in moments where the game was maybe becoming a little listless, it felt like that line was something that could really get something going. Simmons and Spezza as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Other things is uh, Christine Simpson did a great feature on Austin Matthews. It was, it was like a non-hockey feature. It was fun to see, and it, it actually made you feel good about his chances of staying in Toronto. I never think he's going to take – I'm never sure he's going to take off. It's a few years down the road, but you realize how much he loves here. Uh, and a, a Freddie Anderson's his best friend who's not here anymore, but a guy like Jason Spetz is one of the guys he gravitates to, and that's a positive. The, those are the kind of, you know, influences you talk about that Jason Spetz – can give that are huge to the younger guys about playing in Toronto and staying in Toronto. But I, I, I love that line tonight, Bunting Simmons. Uh, they, they had scoring chances. Uh, they drew penalties and hundred percent. And, you know, and, and as we get to way down the road, the playoffs, we just talk about having balance, having consistent third and fourth lines, having that kind of depth. And that line certainly has brought it so far, including your relative. Yes, long long loss, long distance, something along those lines. And uh, hey, we might as well give some credit to the third line as well. I did feel like they had a period uh, in the third period. It felt like the Penguins were kind of taking it to the Leafs a little bit. And that third line, and it was the fourth line they kind of passed it off to. They were they kept they kept the Penguins hemmed in that zone for two or three minutes. And you need that. You don't need it every single night from those guys, but it's just it, it feels like it's something that can be quasi counted on, and that that'll go a long long way for this team if they're able to get it in the playoffs. Yes, yes everything leads to the playoffs a uh, quick look ahead to tomorrow uh joe don't call me joseph or, or joseph don't call me joe uh, he, he'll decide wall uh getting the start tomorrow his second uh you know i think i think we both were you know a little easy on the grading on his on his first start there were a couple of goals that if they were against other goalies maybe we would have been a little more uh demonstrative about but i thought all things considered he, he played pretty well in his first uh regular season game but i, I definitely think he would he would like to uh let in more th- or less than than four tomorrow like it feels like there's room for improvement from the first start that we saw from Wall. Uh, yeah, that Buffalo game was a weird game. That was a very <laughs> weird game. Yeah. So it, it was it was great. He came out. Uh, he came out with the win in that a game a game that they should have won. Uh, Islanders came back and made it close. It was three two at one point, but Calgary beat them five two. And uh, tonight they opened the new building, so their second opponents are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, and I, and I know the point you're talking about is the goaltender, the kid goaltender, getting on the start. But the big story, of course, is uh, COVID protocol with the New York Islanders. It's hit them. What is it, six players right now in COVID protocol situations. So uh, you would think uh, this is when you can um, jump on them and, uh, and, and, and hopefully take advantage. We saw a San Jose Shark team that had the similar situation beat the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of weeks ago, so you're going to have to work hard for it. But uh, uh, I, I, I want to see a little bit of a bounce back. This wasn't a bad effort. This wasn't the Los Angeles game uh, or anything going back to the first Pittsburgh game. But uh, for the young goaltender again and, and taking advantage of a team uh, beset by COVID, uh, I, I, I hope the Leafs come out strong tomorrow. Yes, as do I. And in terms of a young goaltender, uh, you know, the Islanders, they've been a really solid team in the past couple of years. Uh, they have also scored the third fewest goals per game uh, this season. So a pretty soft landing spot for Joseph Wall. And of course, because I said that, I think we all know how tomorrow is going. Uh, Gord, uh, fun, fun show with you tonight. Before we step aside, I want to uh, hear from Leafs head coach, Sheldon Keefe. And it looked like a game that maybe they wanted a little bit more than you. What's your take on that? I think our guys... 
wanted it uh, just as bad, but just thought we we lost to a good team that played better than us. Two different uh, games, this one and the last one. Was there a common denominator, though, do you think, in the, in the two losses to Pittsburgh? Which is how hard they play. I think that's it. I mean, I think as, as much as the game itself was a lot different, I thought the first period, you look at the, the goals that they scored, very similar in nature to what we gave up, you know, uh, so... We handling their speed coming through the neutral zone was a problem for us there. It was a problem for us again here tonight. Um, <clears throat> but then they just defend real hard. They make it make it tough on you. We just, uh, you know, we got really we got what we deserved in terms of our offense because we just we just didn't make enough happen offensively. Has been coming along, but what did you make of it tonight? Just like how we lost a good team, we lost a good penalty kill. They were just flat out better than us. Is there any temptation to, to adjust lines later like, uh, when, when the offense wasn't going, or, or did it sense like they were kind of coming out of it? You know what, it just, it just sensed, I mean, a couple times we made subtle changes, but it, it didn't feel to me like the lines were an issue. The Pittsburgh Penguins were an issue, and, and uh, I, I can't control that. So that... It, we had to just play through difficult circumstances and find our ways to get to the net, and and uh, yeah, we just we just weren't able to do that today. We we, we made two mistakes, that really cost us in the first period. We allowed them to score first and take control of the game, and it's it's uh, you know it's uphill from there. You've been winning a lot of games of late, but how concerning, if at all, is the five on five offense? The number of goals that you're getting? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, concern's not the right word because, you know, like you said, we've been finding ways to win, win a lot of games, but it's it's top of mind for sure. We've been talking about a lot, not just tonight, but coming into today. You know, we, we've got to find ways to, to generate a whole lot more, make good on the chances that we do get. I mean, we get a lot today, but, you know, when you look at a lot of the other nights when we haven't scored, there's a number of looks there that you would expect that would go in the net and, and don't. Um, you know, but... Uh, Nights like today, where it's really hard to get offense, and uh, you know you're you're looking for ways that you can you can make that happen. So it's something we're certainly aware of. Michael Bunting seems particularly good at drawing penalties. Is, is that a a skill for him? Is that something translatable you'd like some of your other players to do some of the same things? Well, it's absolutely a skill, and it's it's a it's a competitive thing. You first of all got to get yourself into spots that are contentious, and then you've got to keep your feet moving, and you've got to skate out of traffic uh, and skate out of tough spots. Um, it's, it, I mean, it, it's it's a skill and one that's not easily transferable to others. You know, I think that's that's why you don't you know you know it's you don't see a lot of guys that have that ability to do that, but it's. It is something that obviously is important. It's something that he brings to our team. He did an excellent job of that here today. That line done an excellent job. You know, that's our focus here. Obviously, is just that we do have you know a, a, a tough road trip ahead. Uh, so you know, this one here certainly gets everybody's attention. All right, there is Keith following the 2-0 loss at home to the Penguins. Leafs back at it tomorrow on Long Island. I'll, I'll actually be honest. That arena's in New York. I have no idea where it is. Uh, the UBS Center, uh, second game they'll be playing there. Uh, Gordon and I will be with you for intermissions, pre and post as well. Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph will have the call. Gord, fun night with you, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go. There it is. Gord Stellick, Frank Gunning, Leafs Nation, post game on Sportsnet. 5-9 the fan.